Hello everyone and welcome to Designing the Future. Today we'll be talking about one of the hottest topics in engineering, Digital Twin. Now joining me to explain Digital Twin and how it can work in multiple engineering environments is Bob Bray, Senior Director and General Manager with Autodesk Tandem. Bob is an expert in cloud computing, big data, and web-based application development technologies and in over 20 years at Autodesk, Bob has held key leadership roles in AEC product management, engineering management, software architecture, and software development. He led the development and launch of several critical new products including BIM 360 Design and Autodesk InfraWorks. Bob holds a Bachelor of Science degree in Computer Science from the University of Missouri. Bob, welcome to the program. Thanks, Jim. Great to be here. To begin, I think a logical starting point is to think about the definition of digital twin. What do we mean when we talk about digital twin? What we mean when we talk about digital twin is a digital twin is really a, a digital replica of a built asset. But what's more important is its connection to its physical counterpart. They need to possess uh, the operational behavioral awareness to simulate, predict, and inform decisions based on real-world conditions of that asset. Now, we think of, of, of the civil engineering world. Uh, we, we talked about BIM, for example. Historically, um, an architect, uh, an engineer, frequently they built a model, a physical model of something. So whether you know it's a, um, um, a truss design or a bridge or, or even an entire city at this point. And um, in a sense, that kind of was the original digital twin, wasn't it? Wasn't the idea that you, know, you create it in bricks and mortar? Very much. That's the original digital twin. The difference, of course, was that was a static model, typically. And what you want in a digital twin is a dynamic model that is connected to those physical characteristics of the, the built asset. Now, we've, um, we've seen a lot of, of talk about digital twin in manufacturing, specifically in simulating things like production processes, highly dynamic processes, robots building cars, for example. Is it, is, is it the same process applied to the this industry? Is, is, is civil engineering, is, is, is AC, are these things basically operate the same way? Or are these, we think of these as static processes. It's a building, but is it a process? It is, it is a very similar process of getting to the same end result. You have to design the thing, you have to manufacture or build the asset, and then you want to really understand its operational characteristics over time. So that is a very similar process, regardless of whether it's an aircraft engine, a building, a factory, or a highway system. Uh, Bob, engineers typically, they're, it's, they're immersed in the design process in the sense that they're used to working on a screen. You have the ability now to render things in ways that are, that are, are quite three-dimensional, ways that allow you to rotate and, and, and tumble uh, a rendering and, and look at it in many different ways at this point. Is Digital Twin a radical departure from that mindset? Is this something basically they have to relearn the way they think about the design process? Not at all. It's really just adding additional dimensions to the design process and data to that design process to help them inform their decisions. And that could be things from which materials have worked well in the past to which equipment is performing and, and works well in a particular environment. It's really just helping them make better decisions. In terms of the, the things that you, you'd implement this technology for, I, can, I imagine if you're designing a nuclear power plant, this would be a natural. If you're designing uh, you know, a, a Warren truss in a, in a truss girder bridge, it would be a natural. Uh, how, how granular does this go? If I'm, um, if, if, if I'm a manufacturer of tool sheds, for example, is, does this work for them too? It, it should be able to work for any type of asset, large or small. Um, you know, very popular in aircraft engines today. Uh, aircraft manufacturers really monitor engine performance. 
any type of building where there is either a lot of occupant usage of that building, you can understand occupant utilization of the facility, or if it's a processing facility or a manufacturing facility, really understanding those processes and how to tune them over time is what's important. Uh, Bob, the AEC sector is, is unique in another way, I, as I imagine it, and I come from manufacturing, and that is that it's you have multiple different trades, skill sets, companies, all working together to create one project, and they have to be sequenced in a specific way to make the whole thing work. And often from a project management perspective, it always amazed me that in the days of, say, Gantt charts, you know, it was possible to, to get something like a skyscraper built there. Uh, can tell me about that. Tell me about the, the, the process of managing multiple teams to, to get to an outcome. And, and this is really one of the biggest challenges today, right? There's a lot of disconnects in data flows as you go through the AEC process. And if we ever want to get to a point in the world where digital twins are a reality for the built environment, we really need to be able to connect those processes, capture that data through the life cycle of the design build process so that we get that data outcome that an owner can use to really accelerate their operational readiness, connect that to kind of existing uh, and, and new systems in their operations and really start to take advantage of all of the intelligence of that data. We have to be able to connect the ecosystem better over time in the AAC industry. Now, in, in this industry, traditionally, uh, the original concept of digital twin is I want to make a model of something that I imagine, something which I, I want to then turn to re, into reality at the end. I want to build something yes. based on this model. You're talking about something slightly different here, something in which there's data derived from the actual project itself that's feeding back into this process. There's a bit of a two-way data stream here. There is absolutely a bi-directional connection, and, and that is an important part of a digital twin, is it's not a static model, it's not a one-way flow of data, it's a two-way flow of data. And that's the only way you get a true digital twin, is to really have that twin both understanding the operational characteristics of that physical asset, but then also being able to help tune them. A common issue that I hear, especially in larger projects, is making sure that the, the product, the project that is under construction, actually conforms to the design. And historically, of course, it's been a very expensive process to actually have people physically inspect uh, projects at various stages of development to make sure that it adheres to this, the design and adheres to specifications. Is Digital Twin, is, is this a tool we can use to sort of streamline that process? It, it certainly is. I, I think, you know, every project starts with a design intent, as you know. You know, when you progress through construction, nothing ever quite turns out the way the designer intended it. Uh, but it's an adaptation, and it's really about starting with that design intent and then continuing to capture data and add and refine the twin through the design build process to get to that end result that is an accurate representation of what was built. It's not just the design intent model, but it's all of the various equipment that was procured, how that equipment was installed, and, and any changes to the design need to be captured through the process to get a twin that, that is really effective at the end of the day for an owner and reflects that actual built asset. Uh, Bob, a, a common cost killer in this industry are design changes. Uh, specifications designs are locked in or we think they're locked in and then something changes. Uh, the customer changes the, the requirement, um, uh, the budget changes, sometimes even a regulatory environment changes at this point and then the cost can sort of spin wildly out of control. Is there a cost control angle to digital twin here or some, some way that can really help in that area? I would say it's not necessarily a cost control angle. We can help with that, but it's very much a change management angle. So understanding when things change and why they change is a very critical element to being effective 
with design build today and being able to manage your costs through the construction prop life cycle. So the digital twin can help in terms of understanding when things are changing, why they're changing, and making sure you're capturing those changes through the process and you're accepting the changes that you, you want to accept because they're the right change for the project regardless of whether that's because a design decision changed from an owner perspective, his requirements changed, maybe some equipment wasn't wasn't available that, that should have been, um, so you're replacing it with something different. Wh whatever that change may be, it allows you to really understand that change and then choose to accept it or, or maybe change the course and, and do something slightly different. In uh, my career in manufacturing, um uh, managing change was actually in some ways a, a more difficult problem than actually designing and getting customer buy-in to, to, to design process. And one of the problems with managing change was it's not just implementing it, but costing it and making sure everyone in the supply chain is up to speed and buys in at the same time. Otherwise, there's a domino effect that creates chaos through the system. Uh, uh, talk, talk to me a bit about that supply chain issue at this point. Uh, for large projects especially, you're integrating a lot of different companies uh, shipping a lot of different things into one site that all has to be pulled together on time and on budget. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's really two things here. You know, for a large, very bespoke project, there's always a lot of change. There's always a lot of uh, different firms involved in the design build process. Keeping them all coordinated is a huge challenge for AEC firms today as they go through the design build process. So having federated data and platforms that allow those teams to share knowledge with each other in an effective way is a critical part of being able to deliver a project on time, on budget. I hear a lot about a term that's, that's used a lot in digital twin called the single source of truth. And we actually think of the single source of truth uh, meaning um, uh, in my world originally, the latest revision. Well, we look at a drawing and we sometimes we would say it's gone through the alphabet, meaning it's been revised so many times at this point that you start to wonder if everyone in the system are working from, from the same revision, from the same print. But the single source of truth might mean more than just a, a specific blueprint or specific rendering. Can we have a single source of truth, for example, on scheduling, on costing? Is it work that way? You, you certainly can. And, and I think it all comes down to a, a willingness in the industry to collaborate and work together and share that source of truth. There's never really a single source of truth for anything, right? A design model is a source of truth for the architect or the engineer. Procurement system for the contractor is a source of truth. All of these are different sources of truth. It's about being able to surface that in a way that you have a single pane of glass across your project and across your asset long-term and, and, and providing visibility into the current state and how that state, uh, how, the, how the project got into that state. Uh, Bob, as a young guy starting out, uh, I remember that, that my engineering managers who, um, who were, were somewhat older were very reluctant to dive into CAD in its early iterations. And one of the major pushbacks were is that they were concerned that there wasn't a universal standard and they're they worried about buying into a technology that would become obsolete. I mean, we're talking about the days of VHS and beta, for example, or if you, if you made the wrong choice, basically you made an investment that was sort of a dead end technology. Now, is, is that an issue with Digital Twin or is there standardization in this business? There is absolutely standardization happening in Digital Twin too. I think when you talk to most people about Digital Twin, they quickly realize it's not one solution. It's many different solutions that need to be integrated together to create an effective Digital Twin solution. That might be things through the design build process, procurement system, et cetera, or downstream in the owner's ecosystem there their CMMS, their computerized maintenance management system, or their, their asset management system of record. 
So it's really about providing an ecosystem to integrate these things. This is why Autodesk has joined the Digital Twin Consortium, which is really helping to define standards uh, around what a digital twin is, how these interfaces will work, and, and the data structure of a digital twin so that we can have true interoperability in the industry. Well, in the AC world, we've talked about how digital twin can help get everyone on the same page pre-construction, can keep everybody on the same timeline and page during construction, and can verify that the that the finished project at the end conforms to the original original design intent and design. Uh, but today, uh, we're looking at, at these things, not as static structures anymore. I mean, there's, there's real-time performance information that's being fed back by things like um, a building electrical systems, HVAC systems, uh, water. It's um, uh, buildings are expected to generate energy in some cases. So there's there's a lot of information flowing around. Is, is there a place for digital twin in, in that world too? Absolutely. A live connection to time series data from all of the different sensors that a building contains is really a critical part of a digital twin for an owner operator. They need that to understand the performance of their building and to be able to tune the performance of that building and not just that building, but maybe make a different set of design decisions or material decisions or equipment decisions in future projects. So there is definitely a role to play there and it is a significant role. Um, not only that, I would say that, you know, digital twins need to be able to adapt over time. You know, if you go back to the beginning of 2020, you know, the most important thing for a new build project might have been understanding carbon emissions, energy consumption. And in 2021, suddenly contract facing and, and usability become key elements of that facility's performance and how it's going to be used. So you need to be able to have a twin that can adapt over time to new conditions and to solve new problems on behalf of that building owner. Bob, you brought up an interesting point, and that's uh, sustainability. Uh, everything environmental is a, is a hot topic right now. I know we have things like lead building standards, and many, uh, especially in Europe, tell me that they're looking at a world in which major projects may have to hit carbon targets. And it may be necessary for someone building a skyscraper to certify that, they're, that, the, that the carbon emissions from that building are no higher than a specific um, uh, you know, kilogram you know, per, per day limit. Uh, is this something here in terms of real-time monitoring we can use this to verify up front, but also make sure with that we comply? You could certainly use it to both simulate uh, what you expect the outcome to be, and then use it to monitor over time to ensure that building is actually performing to the standards that you expect it to be, absolutely. Now, uh, you mentioned simulation, and we've seen the structural engineering community dive deeply into simulation during the design phase. And, you know, we're, we're, we're going to look at wind loads on a bridge, for example, and we're, we're going to simulate cyclical loads in, in, in large structures. Uh, some of these projects are very, very large and complex, and we've mentioned multiple systems sort of layered one atop the other. Is it, is, are these things historically been simulated separately? So the HVAC design team, of course, simulates performance of their unit. And then the electrical simulates their, their low pass and their unit, and then the structural engineers simulate their, their loads. Is this a technology going forward we can use where we can pull all that together so that those individual teams can simulate the interactions between their systems? I think long term, that will absolutely be the end result. It's obviously going to take time to get there. But if you think about the real world performance of that asset, it's because you have all of these systems that are actually intertwined, working together uh, and utilizing each other to, to achieve the end result. So if you don't start there and understand that simulation during early stage design, you may not hit your target. And so that's where I think, yes, over time, that's exactly where the industry will be. 
Many in the industry are telling me now that that one future looking at are new materials, of course, and you know composite materials are, are are moving into this this field in a big way now. But they operate by slightly different rules from an engineering perspective. It's not like a steel I beam anymore. A uh, uh, you know that that tension member or or that 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 truss or that bracket, it it has a fatigue life that may be based on cycles to failure. For example, so these operate by statistical processes rather than simple load limits the way we think of it now. So those old scaling factors of, well, we're in doubt, we'll double it and, and, and we know we're safe. That's kind of going out the window now. So is this higher level of complexity at the design level, is this going to make it more complex all the way through the system? Ideally, you're always looking at a particular system as you're designing and there may be other data inputs feeding that. But if we make the design process so complex that an engineer can't understand it, that's obviously not a workable solution. <laughs> so the engineer always needs to focus on the problem at hand, just understanding there's an additional data set of data inputs into that process that is informing his decision making. So ideally, we streamline that away. I'm thinking also in cases where um, um, site redevelopment, in some cases, you don't always have the luxury of a clean sheet and you've got to work around things that exist already. In that case, you're very frequently going to work with a project in which there was no digital twin to begin with. So at this point, does that complicate the use of digital twin in this case, or can you simply go in retroactively, for example, and map what you already have? You certainly can. It, is, it tends to be a very expensive bespoke process to retrofit a digital twin for an existing facility. I think what Autodesk is trying to do right now and is working on it and can help the industry here long-term is to create a very scalable, repeatable process for creating a digital twin through the design build process, post handover that the owner can use. But we also need to understand there are a lot of built assets in this world. And so we need to be able to automate as much of that process of data capture and collection to create a twin off an existing asset as well. And there's many things that can help there, including you know reality capture, scan to BIM, uh, collecting data from existing systems. So it'll always be a little bit bespoke, but I think we can automate many of those processes over time. Just before this lockdown happened, I, I visited a machine tool manufacturer who had a very interesting application. In this case, they were using uh, virtual reality goggles to try and model where their equipment would fit onto the factory floor of a very large factory. And they reported that, that they did this not from an engineering perspective, but from their sales and marketing team who had difficulty conveying the, to, to potential customers where their equipment would fit into their process. So they actually had design engineers whose job was to create a virtual pitch that let the customers envision what they're, what they're trying to sell them. Is, is that another future, future pathway, future use for this technology? I think there's a definite future pathway there. I've also seen another example um, last year, very similar, where you know a home builder was working with clients and allowing them to literally, through AR, VR, configure their home the way they would like it. So it's a very similar use, different use case, but the same idea. So very much, I think that is that is part of the future pathway here. Uh, it's. Do you envision that the digital twin is this? Will this be standalone? software standalone capability, or is this going to sort of blend in with the sort of desktop CAD CAM technology that, that, that engineers are familiar with now? I, I think it's always a blend. I, I, I don't see a, you know, a significant change. I think it's the data from the existing kind of design systems feeding into the digital twin, data from the construction site and, and the procurement system and, and all of the types of data capture you do through construction, feeding that twin with information. So it's very much not changing the way the processes work today, but augmenting them with new technology. 
Uh, Bob, I mentioned the, the early days of adoption of, of CAD CAM systems and how older engineers tended to lag because there was skepticism. Uh, of course, the, the young guys grabbed it, embraced it with both hands, and it created sort of a stratification within the engineering organization. And in many cases, you had this unusual situation where the managers responsible for managing projects were the least capable and the least informed about the capability of the tools that their own, their own team was using. Uh, it's, that was addressed by the increasing usability and ease of use of modern CAD CAM systems. So eventually, you know, you could, you could, you could afford to embrace as a 52-year-old engineer and not feel that you're going to be overwhelmed by the technology. Is the complexity of digital twin in use, is that a factor here? Are these systems going to be simple enough that that middle-aged engineering manager can dive in with both feet and, and feel they can handle it? I think it has to be. At the end of the day, it's, it's, if you think about the downstream use case of the digital twin, it's not just the people through design and construction. You know, it's, it's a guy going out with his gloves on to maintain that piece of equipment in the building. He needs to be able to access that digital twin in a way that makes sense to him. And so, again, providing the right information and the right context and the right form factor for the person using uh, that twin is, is really important to being effective long-term in the industry and providing a solution. Uh, many uh, futurists, engineering futurists I talked to, talk about a, um, a, a different kind of world where tools like this allow amateurs to actually do functions that used to require very, very highly skilled and highly trained professionals in a way. Do technologies like this, are we going to look at a future where it's possible for someone to design their own custom home, for example, without the, the, the immediate intervention of an architect or, or a structural engineer? I, I think that's certainly, you know, long-term potential here, but I, I think that's, you know, very much in the futurist thinking. Um, I will say, just, just bringing it back just a little bit, though, you know, I think occupants of a building need to be able to interact with a twin and not even realize they're interacting with this piece of technology. So it's very similar, right? It's you want to take away all the barriers and allow them to interact with it in a very natural way that they don't even know they're doing it. Bob, final question. Uh, for a firm which is currently using traditional CAD CAM systems and they're aware of Digital Twin and they want to, to embrace this, they want to explore this, what's the starting point? How does, how does the engineering professional approach this? Uh, the starting point is really understanding, uh, again, goes back to if you're in the, uh, in the AAC industry, right? Understanding uh, two things. One is what are the outcomes your owners trying to achieve? What data do they need to achieve those outcomes is a big part of it because it's the only way you can really deliver that value downstream to your owners. And I would say the other thing is realizing that data has value. And that value is something that for an AEC firm, they can potentially provide more value to the building owners that they serve and the operators and potentially generate more revenue as a result of it. So I think it's a real opportunity for the folks in the AEC industry that want to get started with this. If they start thinking big picture about how this helps to transform their business, there are real opportunities for AEC customers today. So it starts by understanding what's available today, understanding where you want to go, and then uh, finding the right technology to help you get there. Bob Bray, Autodesk Tandem, thanks for joining me on the show. Thanks, Jim. Really appreciate it. And thank you for joining us on today's episode of Designing the Future. See you again next time.